Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. You know, this is a man who has influenced millions of people throughout history. You know, we have this idea, absolute power corrupts absolutely, but Marcus is the exception to that rule. And so I thought I'd, I'd sort of walk through how to read it. I'd walk through some of my copies. Hey, everyone, we're here to talk about perhaps the most incredible book ever written. One of the most magnificent expressions of human greatness, human vulnerability, self-awareness and self-reflection. I'm, I'm talking about... Marcus Aurelius's Meditations. This is a book published in 170 AD, not even actually published, written in 170 AD by the most powerful man in the world. And unlike essentially every other book ever written, this was a book never intended for publication. This was a book for the man's own edification. Marcus Aurelius, the emperor of Rome, is sitting down at night writing notes to himself about how to be a better person, how to, how to think better how to manage his temper, control his appetites, deal with the stresses, the inherent stresses of his position, and to thrive despite all this adversity and difficulty. That's ultimately why this book has resonated. As the American philosopher Brand Blanchard writes, few now care about the marches and countermarches of the Roman commanders. What the centuries have clung to is a notebook of thoughts by a man whose real life was largely unknown, who put down in the midnight dimness not the events of the day or the plans of the morrow, but something of far more permanent interest, the ideals and aspirations that a rare spirit lived by. That's just beautifully, beautifully put. And what we're gonna to talk today about is how to read that book, because it's not easy. Again, unlike most books which are written for the audience, this book was written for the writer. And so somehow, magically, this book survives historically. He never wanted it to be published. He'd be mortified that we're talking. Yet a chain of, of torchbearers preserves this wonderful work after his, his death. And generations have been digesting it and consuming it and being changed by it ever since. It's really an incredible list of people who have loved it. Theodore Roosevelt takes Marcus Aurelius with him on his deadly River of Doubt expedition. General James Mattis, former Secretary of Defense, four-star general, carries Marcus Aurelius with him while he's on deployment. Wen Jiabo, the former Prime Minister of China, has read it 
over a hundred times. Beatrice Webb, the inventor of collective bargaining, the social activist from the 1800s, she refers to meditations as her manual of devotion. J.K. Rowling is a big fan. There was an ESPN piece about Nick Saban, perhaps the greatest football coach of all time. And this is the headline of the piece. Marcus Aurelius helps Nick Saban prep for the Trojans. Robert Louis Stevenson says, no one can read meditations and not be moved. You carry away with you a memory of the man himself as though you had touched a loyal hand and looked into the brave eyes and made a noble friend. And John Stuart Mill, who writes On Liberty, puts in that book about meditations that it is the highest ethical product of the ancient mind. I've got a few of them, as you can see. This is a copy of the book from the 1700s. Russell Brunson gave it to me, the founder of ClickFunnels. This is a very old, I think this is a sheepskin copy. I feel guilty even holding it. This is a copy from 1899 that someone sent me. It's, it's really little. It's translated by uh, J. Potter Briscoe. This is a copy from 1894. You can even see someone wrote the date of the book in here. It's pretty cool. This is a copy from also the 1800s, Thoughts of Marcus Aurelius, translated by George Long. And then this is my favorite translation, the Marcus Aurelius, Gregory Hayes, Modern Library Translation. Robert Fagel says, here for our age is Marcus's great work presented in its entirety, strongly introduced and freshly elegantly translated. I cannot state this enough. Do not just buy the random cheap translation on Amazon. Don't read the free translation on the internet. There's a huge difference between these accessible translations, these modern translations and the ancient ones. If you lived in 1870, a lot of these things would make total sense. The idioms, the thous, and the arts, but you don't live in there. You should get it as accessible as possible because Marcus Aurelius was writing it in an accessible way. He was a man writing to himself. His, his journal was designed to be accessible to him. It should be accessible to you. As an example, one of the things that hit me hardest the first time I read Meditations was Marcus's verse, which opens the beginning of book five of Meditations. And he's talking about struggling to get out of bed in the morning, which you may relate to. Certainly I did. This is Marcus Aurelius writing to himself in a translation here from 1899 about struggling to get out of bed in the morning. In the morning when thou risest unwillingly, let this thought be present. I am rising to the work of a human being. Why then am I dissatisfied if I'm going to do the things for which I exist and for which I was brought into this world? Or have I been made for this, to lie in the bedclothes and keep myself warm? But this is more pleasant. Dost thou exist then for thy pleasure and not at all for action or exertion? Dost thou see the little plants and little birds and the ants, the spiders, the bees working together to put in order their several parts of the universe? And art thou unwilling to do the work of a human being? And dost thou make not haste to do that which is according to thy nature? You don't have to be a genius to understand what's happening there, but you know, bedclothes. What the hell does that mean, right? Thou art unwillingness, dost thou? Come on. So let's look at book five of meditations via Gregory Hayes. At dawn, when you have trouble getting out of bed, tell yourself, I have to go to work as a human being. What do I have to complain of if I'm going to do what I was born for? The things I was brought into this world to do? Or is this what I was created for? To huddle under the blankets and stay warm? But it's nicer here. So you were born to feel nice instead of doing things and experiencing them? Don't you see the plants, the birds, the ants, the spiders, the bees going about their individual tasks, putting the world in order as best they can? You're not willing to do your job as a human being? 
Why aren't you running to do what your nature demands? You know, this idea of stillness, you might think of Marcus as the Western philosopher, but there's some eerily Buddhist Zen themes in here too. The, the idea of being free of passion, the, the sort of idea of apatheia, to use the Greek word, ataraxia, to use the Epicurean version of that. It's about getting to a place where you're free of passions, where you're not ruled by your drives and your fears and your worries. You're still, Mark Sirius talks about being the rock that the wave crashes around and the ocean falls still beside. Talks about reaching that place of utter stillness. It says about being like the sphere. You can tell that he was someone who was bounced around a lot, who had racing thoughts, who got worried, who was stressed, who was frustrated. He's trying to breathe, he's trying to slow down. And I think that's what writing meditations was. It was his way of getting to that stillness. So these accessible translations give you real insight into where Marcus is coming, what he's trying to say, who he is as a person. And what I love about it is it hits you right there. You are transported 2,000 years into the past where he's translated 2,000 years into the future and nobody wants to get up on a cold morning and get to work. But you can talk yourself into that and that's what Marcus is doing. And so if we can see meditations as really sort of a pick-me-up, a guy talking to himself, he knows what he should be doing. He was taught well. He knows what his job is. He knows what his obligations are, as we all do. The question is, can we do it? And can we do it day in and day out? And that's really what meditations is about. So this is my copy, I'm very fragile with it. It means more to me than these actually very valuable copies. This is my copy, it's filled with notes. Look, I think one of the things about reading meditations, I think this is a good rule. It's not a book you read one time. It's a book you read hundreds of times. As I said, the former prime minister of China uh, has read it a hundred times. General Mattis brings it with him on campaign so he can reread it. I've read this at least a hundred times. I have an article about it of the things I learned reading meditations a hundred times. You can see I've got all these different notes in it, different notes from different, different periods. There's a line in here, Marx really quotes from Heraclitus. He says, no man steps in the same river twice. The idea being that, that the river is always changing and the man is changing. And so every time you pick up this book, you're different. It was only in the pandemic of 2020 that I fully realized a lot of the illusions that Marcus Aurelius was writing was making to the pandemic of his time, the Antonine Plague. It's not a book you read once and you just have it and you just know it. It's not like reading a novel and you know the plot, you know the story. It's you read it multiple times. So if I could make a recommendation, every person should read meditations with a pen and with some note cards and you should take notes as you read and you should come back and see. So you can see in mine, I've read it with a yellow highlighter. Actually, if you go, this is, I wrote F-U-C-K the first time I heard that opening chapter from book five. On this page alone, we have yellow highlighter, red pen, black pen, a different black pen. On other pages, we've got pencils. I've folded these bottom pages. I've also used flags. This is a book that you have to sit with, that you have to grow with, that you read over and over and over again, and you start to understand over time. This is one of the ones that hit me very hard when I read it the first time. Alexander the Great and his mule driver both died and the same thing happened to both. They were absorbed alike into the life force of the world or dissolved alike into atoms. First off, it's just incredible to think that 2000 years ago, you knew what an atom was. This is a thing that, that the Stoics get from the Epicureans. They had some idea of, of atoms, obviously not in our understanding, but Marcus is the most powerful man in the world. They build statues to him. There's literally a cult of the emperor. And yet he's reminding himself, hey, these great conquerors of the, of the past, they're dead now. What happened to them? And there's different pages where Marcus goes 
Who remembers Vespasian? Who remembers Hadrian? Who remembers the powerful members of Hadrian's court? These names dim with time and we forget them. And he's trying to make sure that his own power, his own position doesn't go to his head right now. And that's a really important thing. An interesting thing he starts book two with, we talked about the first book in Meditations, the debts and lessons being very important, but then there's kind of an iconic section that opens book two. Book two, who knows how this was actually organized when Marcus wrote it, but book two, he says, when you wake up in the morning, tell yourself the people I will deal with today will be meddling, ungrateful, arrogant, dishonest, jealous, and surly. They are like this because they can't tell good from evil. But I have seen the beauty of good and the ugliness of evil and recognize that the wrongdoer has a nature related to my own, not of the same blood or birth, but of the same mind, possessing a share of the divine. So none of them can hurt me. No one can implicate me in ugliness, nor can I feel angry at my relative. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Or hate him. We were born to work together like feet, like hands and eyes, like the two rows of teeth, upper and lower. To obstruct each other is unnatural. To feel anger at someone, to turn your back on him. These are obstructions. So when I read Meditations for the first time as a 19 or 20 year old, what hit me there was the idea of preparing for the difficulty of the day ahead. People are jerks, don't go around getting disappointed, manage your expectations. And that was really helpful. But as I've gotten older, it's really the second part of that paragraph that resonates with me. Oh, people suck, people have problems, but we're in this together and we can't abandon each other and we can't hold on to resentments and we can't let the low standards or the failures or even the outright evil of other people to bring us down to make us worse. And again, I think you, this is a book you grow with. And you, what you realize over and over again is that Marcus must have been under incredible stress. He must have been put upon by people who were not nearly as smart as him, not nearly as learned as him, not nearly as patient. That very easily could have manifested itself in condescension or alienation or bitterness. Instead, he really works at maintaining his love and compassion and kindness for people. The idea of common good, serving the common good, this is a key Stoic virtue, and it appears in meditations something like 80 times. Marcus says, the fruit of this life is good character and acts for the common good. And he means that common good even for these difficult people. You know, he says, look, is a world without shameless people possible? No. Like, so you met a shameless person, but don't let that break you. Don't let it make you angry. Keep doing what you're doing. He says in another place, my job is to be good. Let's talk about some other themes in meditations, the theme of acceptance. So we have this idea of the Stoics being resigned, and there's a reason why we think that. 
accept, acceptance, accept it, accept what happens. Similar variations of this appear almost 50 times in the book. But we shouldn't think that the Stoics were passive. There's actually an activeness to the passivity, right? Marcus says, accept it, deal with it, right? The Stoics believe it's not what happens, it's how you respond. And so even this idea of turning obstacles into fuel, right? The impediment to action advances action. What he means is that there's gonna be things outside your control. And so you have to learn to practice what he gets from Epictetus, the art of acquiescence, but that doesn't limit your agency to respond, to control your emotions, to make good out of this. And that's really an incredible part of meditations. I think another theme that's fascinating in meditation is, is the theme of water. If you've ever been to Budapest, the beautiful river runs through it. And themes of water are in here a lot, right? Close to a dozen metaphors about rivers and oceans, fires and stars, beautiful observations about nature. Marcus, I get the sense like to be outside, he enjoyed the beauty of life. Amidst the death and the destruction and the stress of his profession, I think he was also seeking out moments of beauty and calm. So Marcus sees the world like an artist and it's hard not to notice that. You, you really should notice it when you're reading meditations and it should shape your worldview. He talks about the stalks of grain bending low. He talks about ripe olives falling from the tree. He talks about the flecks of foam on the boar's mouth. He talks about the way bread cracks open in the oven. He talks about the furrowed brow of the lion. It's amazing to read this book that was never intended for publication and see just how poetic it is. And yet, for the poetic side of Marcus, we also see the brutal realism side. He says, life is warfare and a journey far from home. He wasn't at a quincum, he wasn't in Budapest for the sights, right? He, he found them, he wasn't there on vacation, he was there defending the empire. And, you know, Marcus dealt with loss, he dealt with pain. He, he lost multiple children before they reached adulthood. And so that ties into another part of things. There's this haunting exercise where he talks about, he gets this from Epictetus, talks about tucking your child into bed at night and saying, they might not live to the morning. Again, that's not just an idle observation, that's not just a, a mind-blowing thing he said. He's really experiencing this and his life was filled with pain and loss. And finally, there's probably no theme in meditation more common than the theme of death. Marcus Aurelius talks about this all the time. He says, think of yourself as dead. You have lived your life. Now take what's left, live it properly. On another page he says, you could leave life right now. Let that determine what you do and say and think. I actually keep a coin here in my left pocket that says memento mori. Remember you are mortal. You could leave life right now. Let that determine what you do and say and think. And in fact, again, let's get a little historical here. The final meditations in the book were likely written as Marcus was dying. He says, if it makes no difference whether you look at the world for this long or that long, then death shouldn't scare you. And then he says, you have lived as a citizen in a great city, five years or a hundred, what's the difference? The laws make no distinction. And to be sent away from it, not by a tyrant or a dishonest judge, but by nature who first invited you in, why is that so terrible? Like the impresario ringing down the curtain on an actor. But I've only gotten through three acts. There's this great dialogue in meditations with Marcus and himself. Yes, this will be a drama in three acts and the length fixed by the power that directed your creation and now directs your dissolution. Neither was yours to determine. So make your exit with grace, the same grace shown to you. So this ties us back to the purpose of meditations. One of the things I like about the Gregory Hayes translations, it's got a wonderful section of notes in the back where he provides context, sort of hidden footnotes, context to all the things. 
You'll notice a lot of the parts of meditations are just verbatim quotes. And other times they're just paraphrasing of things or they're allusions to quotes that classicists would recognize. You could argue that meditations is a kind of commonplace book. I, I have a video about my commonplace book about how I take notes on what I read and Marcus has filled many, many note cards in my commonplace book. But the idea that what Marcus is doing is writing down quotes to himself so he can remember them, so they can get sort of absorbed into a system is a key part of this book. Book 11, this is page 157 on Gregory Hayes. For you are but a slave and have no claim to the logos, just a quote. But my heart rejoiced, just a quote. No thefts of free will. It's a quote from Epictetus. There's a story, a, a, a friend comes over to Marcus's house and Marcus is leaving and, and the friend says, where are you going? And he says, I am off to see Sextus the philosopher to learn that which I do not yet know. And the friend says, even as an old man, as the emperor, you are still trying to learn. And I think that captures Marcus really well. Marcus was very strict on himself. Five times in meditations, he talks about being tolerant with others, strict with himself. I think that's a great way to capture Marcus's philosophy. And by strict, he means about your desires, about your temper, about your ego, about your needs. He's saying, look, focus on yourself, but understand that other people are flawed. Don't hold it against them. They're doing the best they can. You mess up too. And I think that's a really great insight into who Marcus is. And you can't read Meditations and not see that there's a reason this was translated. It's called Meditations, but it really translates in Greek to to himself. This is Marcus writing notes to himself. I thought I'd also provide a couple more resources for people who really wanna go in depth. My book, The Obstacle is the Way, you can check out. This is really a meditation on Marcus Aurelius's meditations. If you're interested in starting Stoicism, of course, The Daily Stoic, one page a day of Stoic philosophy. One of the, I think, the great books ever written about meditations is this book, The Inner Citadel, The Meditations of Marcus Aurelius by the French philosopher Pierre Hadot. There's a great original translation in here and some really good analysis of what Marcus is doing. A more recently published book, How to Think Like a Roman Emperor, The Stoic Philosophy of Marcus Aurelius by my friend Donald Robertson. This is one of the best books I've ever read on Stoicism. It's great, as I put in my blurb. This book is a wonderful introduction to one of history's greatest figures, Marcus Aurelius. His life and this book are a clear guide to those facing adversity, seeking tranquility, and pursuing excellence. And then this is a beautiful novel, it's not really super related to meditations, but I love it. Memoirs of Hadrian by Marguerite Yersinor. I'm sure I butchered her name. It's fictional and it won a Pulitzer Prize. It's a complete masterpiece. Originally titled to himself, there's some irony that meditations becomes the definitive text on self-discipline, personal ethics, humility, self-actualization, strength. It's funny that he would create this. In making something so personal, he ends up creating something profoundly universal, which I think is a is a philosophical truth in and of itself. And ironically, in a book that's over and over again saying like, now is what matters, now is what counts. Don't worry about power, just do the right thing. It's just that you do the right thing, the rest doesn't matter. I want you to read this book. I'd love for you to start with the Hayes translation, maybe do Daily Stoic, Obstacles Away, read Hadot's The Inner Citadel, read some Donald Robertson, read multiple translations. But it's a book you read and you reread and you become better each time you do that because we never step in the same river twice. We change, the text change, the world around us changes. And in that, that process, we get better. And look, Epictetus says we should take these thoughts, write them, read them aloud, talk to yourself and others about them. That's what meditations is. That's what we should be doing though as we read it. We're writing and talking about them and sharing them and even just doing this video 
you know, is to me just another part in a 15-year relationship I've had with this book, a book that connects me to my wife. Even the way I tuck my children into bed at night, it's my career, I've been lucky enough to write about it. It's what's brought us together to do this, and hopefully will be my own sort of little legacy, although you can't care about that. Just a magnificent book. I've recommended it to so many people. I've seen it change so many lives. I hope you do the work, you read it, because I know it can have that impact for you as well. For the Stoics, wisdom was an ongoing process. It was a journey. Zeno said that well-being is realized by small steps, but it's no small thing. So how do we do that? Well, I suggest the Daily Stoic email. You can sign up at dailystoic.com email. One email every single day, totally free. The best wisdom and insights from the Stoics, from Zeno to Marcus Aurelius, Epictetus, and Seneca. Sign up, start your journey. Let me know what you think. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.